0: Good morning, Westridge. It's good to be here with you today. As we wrap up our sermon on uh, Jonah today, I get to do Jonah 4. And so far, we've, uh, we have seen uh, running Jonah. Greg preached on him in chapter 1. And then we saw praying Jonah. Daniel brought the message on, uh, on chapter 2. Last week, Darren, ta- Darren talked about preaching and judging Jonah. And today, chapter 4, I get to do whining Jonah. Okay. Now, we, we've talked about, it. we left Jonah, last week, Darren left Jonah angry at God for not bringing the promised destruction on the city of Nineveh. And that leads to the title of the message today, When God Misbehaves. See, Jonah was upset at God because he felt that he had been given the old bait and switch. God had told him to say one thing was going to happen, and when it didn't happen, Jonah felt disappointed in God. And he was disappointed because God was gracious gracious and Compassionate. Now, my question is Have you ever been promised something that just didn't deliver? Now, as a grandfather, I like to get little treasures for my grandchildren. My two oldest, in particular, have grown accustomed to me bringing something for them whenever we're together, and I'll be asked, uh, Grandpa do you have something for us today? I said, well, I just may. And we, I usually hide at some place. We do hot and cold, and they discover their treasure. So out in, we were out in Southern California earlier this year, and I was looking for something different that, uh, that I could get for them. And, and I came across this miniature kite. I thought, okay, that'd be kind of cool. Now, here was a promise. A miniature aircraft kite that soars high in the sky... In fact, on the back it says, don't use near overhead power lines or during thunderstorms. I thought, okay, this could be cool. Not during a thunderstorm, of course, but this could be a cool thing. We like to fly kites together. So I gave the two of them. I gave them each one. And my grandson and I went out on the street to fly it. It was a windy day. I thought this would be a perfect time to try this kite out. And, and so we got it out. And and this is when I became very aware of the importance of surface area when it comes to flying something, okay? He ran down the street with his kite behind him. It never got above shoulder high, okay? And he ran up and down the street several times. He went with the wind. He went against the wind. And I thought, this is ridiculous, Okay? I just blew eight bucks. Now, I've I've wasted a lot more money than eight bucks a time, okay? But, well, I I bought three of these, so that was 24 bucks. Anyway, anyway. And I said, but I'm so sorry. And he said, Grandpa, it's okay. I really like it. I said, no, you don't. I don't like it, okay? I don't like it. And I said, the only way this thing's going to encounter a power line is if the wind knocks it down onto the ground and it drags across it, okay? Now, needless to say, it did not deliver on the promise that it gave me, okay? You know what? I realize things don't always go as we plan or expect. Jonah expected God to come through on the promise of the mission God had sent him on. The message that Jonah had was very simple. He said, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. In other words, it's gonna be destroyed. The timetable was set. Jonah expected God to come through. But then things changed, And God's inaction left Jonah disappointed, disheartened, and disenchanted with the God he was trying to follow. He felt God had let him down on what he'd been promised, if we're honest. We've all experienced times like these, haven't we? Prayers that were prayed earnestly and with good intent go unanswered. Jobs we feel we deserve, jobs that will help our family, don't materialize relationships that were once sweet and promising leave us feeling empty as they turn sour. And these experiences, and others just like them, can leave us feeling that God really doesn't care about us. Times like these can, choose, can cause us to, to run away from God, or on the other side, it can draw us closer to God. So the thought for today from Jonah 4 is this. I believe there are always lessons to be learned if we are willing to maintain open hearts and open minds. So one of those, how did it come to this? I dream myself a thousand times around the world, but I can't get out of this place. Uh, these are great words and probably would be something similar to what Jonah might have said, describing this point in time. Because he was definitely viewing life through a gray filter at this moment. See, the chapter begins with Jonah complaining to God about the very characteristics that we all want God to display. Here's what he said. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? And this is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, when I look at my life and the boneheaded sins that I continue to stumble into over and over again, I'm sure glad that our God is gracious and compassionate. Aren't you? And yet, look at Jonah. Here's the thing. He wasn't looking at the big picture here. He had just seen, <laughs> he had just seen a citywide revival take place. by Due to his speaking, the direction of people's lives had changed as they chose to follow God. Estimates put Nineveh's population around 600,000 people at this point in time, so I'd have to say his message was very effective, and yet he couldn't see the good that had happened. He was focused on himself, and when I look at this guy, it's very easy to see the importance that attitude makes in our lives. I mean, to put it, to put it simply, Jonah's attitude was stinky, hey, honestly. If you've you've listened through these last three weeks, it's, it's really something, because God had used him in a mighty way, and all he could see was the fact that Nineveh was still going to be standing, and the wicked were going to go unpunished. Now, when we don't get answers that we anticipate or expect from God, it's real easy to get disillusioned. In 2007, we launched a church in Merrillville, Indiana that was focused on reaching those who were not attending church anywhere at all. The church planner did semi-pro wrestling on the side, and and he reached a pretty rough and tumble crowd, which was very fun to see. But right before Impact launched, Steve was diagnosed with colon cancer. Now he's 34 years old. Uh, The the picture of health and vitality, big, strong man. And we all knew that Steve was going to beat it. There were prayer services that took place across the Ignite Church Planning family, which was the organization I lead. We participated in services that focused on healing for Steve. We put, laid hands on him, anointed him with oil. and We watched him go through the treatment, fully expecting everything was going to be fine. All this happened while he was still pastoring a growing church. A few months later, however, the doctors came back and they told, them, told Steve, the cancer is growing. Oh, we prayed more intently. More focused prayers. Uh, experimental treatments were, uh, were taken into, into treatment so that, uh, we tra- that others had tried and it had been successful. All to no avail. Because he passed away at age 35. Leaving a wife and 10-year-old daughter behind. Now, Steve's dad is a dear friend of mine. And we have talked multiple times through those years since then. About the prayers that were prayed and the answers that we received which weren't what we wanted. And, and we've talked about the reality that when, when we come to these times when God doesn't make sense, there are one or two ways to go. Either we run toward God, or we run away from God. Now, Bob is not bitter at all. He holds no grudge against the Father. Every time we talk about a son, he still tears up. But Bob has pastored his son's church since 2008. And I have no doubt in my mind that that church would not be alive today if he hadn't have stepped in and took over for a son. He and, his, and Lorraine, his wife, they choose to lean into the Father, even when the answers that we, they saw it, we all saw it, were not given. Now, on the other side, I've talked to other people who used to go to that church and no longer do because they simply couldn't understand why things happen the way they did. Things do not always go the way we plan or desire. And when they don't, we're really faced with that decision. We run away from God or we run toward God. See, the thing we need to realize in, in life is that God does have a plan, and we don't always understand it. Isaiah 55 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it contains these words. In this chapter, God says, For my thoughts... Are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God understands things that we just don't. I was driving through Indianapolis last month when I came upon road construction there on I 74. Basically, they said uh, the road is going to be closed ahead of you. Okay. So make, make plans. So everything being reconfigured there. And I looked at all the stuff as we were driving through. I looked at Darla and I said, what a mess. And it was. And it, when, I, when I said that, something was triggered in my mind about something I'd read a few years ago. And, said, and the, the author said, even when you're in the midst of a mess, he was talking about construction, but he was talking about life. Remember, there's somebody who has blueprints and a plan and one day this is going to be a totally different situation. And I know that when, there's a, when that, everything's done there in I-74 in Indianapolis, downtown will finally be open again. And it'll be a brand new road. It'll look great. So could it be that even when we're in the midst of a mess in life and we don't get what's going on, that God's still at work? That God still has a plan that he's working? I'll be honest. I, I've encountered many situations in life where I've prayed, I asked, I've asked God to work in specific ways, but it doesn't happen. At least not the way I pray. And looking back, I still have no reason why. And I've come to the realization, that's okay. I don't need to know why. I just need to trust the Father. Because I know I don't want to end up bitter. I don't want to end up bitter. So I'm Jonah. He's complaining to God. And he says, oh, Lord, just take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. I'd say he was in a bad spot, wouldn't you? Okay? Now, we don't know if he was distraught about his reputation, You know, hey, I promise this is going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'm a false prophet. We don't know if maybe he wanted Nineveh to be destroyed so the Jewish people back in Jerusalem would say, hey, we don't want that to happen to us. Maybe we better get our lives right with God. We don't know why. All we know is that Jonah did not want a repentant Nineveh. He wanted a destroyed Nineveh. And when that didn't happen, well, look at what he did. So Jonah went out sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. (laughs) So you know what he's looking for, right? Hopefully God will change his mind and this will just be a, a blasted area, right? As I mentioned earlier, I believe there are always lessons we can learn if we maintain open hearts and minds. So while Jonah was sitting outside the city, God put him in the learning lab. And three times we see God provide something for Jonah that he could take a lesson from. And it's an interesting, this is three times, four times in the book this word provided happens. The first time is when God provided a fish to gobble him up when he was thrown in the sea. And then three times in chapter four it says God provided something. And the idea is that God put in place the perfect thing, the perfect time, so a lesson could be learned. So here's what we're told. First of all, God provided a vine. And the vine grew up over Jonah, it gave him shade, so that he could have his head shaded in a very hot place during a very hot day. It's interesting to me that this is the only time in the book of Jonah we see him happy. It says this, he was happy the vine had appeared. So Jonah wasn't happy the city of Nineveh had repented, no, he was just happy that he was comfortable, okay? Quite a guy, eh? So for a day, the vine gave him shade. But the next morning, here's what we're told, God provided a worm, a worm that chewed the vine and killed the vine. And the the vine withered away. Same time, God provided, he brought an east wind over Jonah that gave him a a sunstroke, basically a, a scorching wind just gave him sunstroke. So how did Jonah respond? Jonah responded as he did most of the time. Here's what he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. What a guy. And that's when God said, All right, let the lessons begin. There are always opportunities to learn if we're willing to listen. So God says, Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about this vine? Jonah responds, I do. I do. I am angry enough to die. God says, okay, buddy, let's think about this, okay? Here's what God says. You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left hand, and many cattle as well. And here God ends with this question. Should I not be concerned for this great city? I see three lessons to be learned from what the Father said here at the end of the chapter. I think they're important for all of us who choose to follow Jesus. The first lesson, God is always at work developing us, always. So I brought with me today a a knife that I had made for me, okay? The steel in this knife is very interesting because the steel was shaped and formed by Afghani Christians. So this was, this was made in Afghanistan, okay? Christians who came to Christ from, uh, from Islam and were cast out of the community, they had to find a living. So they became niceness. Basically, this was a hunk of metal at one point in time. And what they did is they would heat the hunk of metal and they would hammer on the hunk of metal. And they would chip away at the hunk of metal and then that, until then, then they would sharpen it They would polish it, and then I sent it off to another friend who made the uh, the handle out of a deer antler I had. A beautiful work of art. I believe God is always at work shaping us and making us. If Jonah should have learned anything during this point in time, is that God was going to make him into the man he wanted him to be. And so he's going to hammer on him a little bit here. So even when Jonah was stuck in his pity party, God was still at work. He was chipping away at the the prophet. He was hammering away at the prophet. He was heating him up, literally by the sun. Trying to get him away from his prejudice and preconceptions, giving the prophet insight into God's own heart. And though Jonah was as thick as he could be, God was still trying to get through to him. Here's what he's telling him. You're concerned about the wrong things. You're not seeing what I'm seeing here. And friends, when when it's hard to see what God's doing, when we question his actions, maybe a a better option than doubting him or or questioning him would just be to ask him, what am I supposed to learn here? Where, Where is my life being shaped that needs to be shaped? And sharpened where it needs to be sharpened. The second thing I see here, second lesson, is that God is a God of second chances. Darren talked about this last week, so all I'm going to say here is I believe anyone who follows Jesus is grateful for this characteristic of our Father. God loves all people. It goes back to the golden verse of the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that anyone who believes in him will, will that he gave his only one only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The soul love of God. He intensely loves people. And that's all people. Everyone. And he wants everyone to come into relationship with him through Jesus. The people of Nineveh responded positively when they were confronted with God. And God was thrilled. Jonah was not. Jonah was wrong. Third lesson. God wants his children to have his values. Hey, we put values on things all the time, right? We say, that's a good deal. Uh, that's not so good. And we, say, we say, that was worth the experience. Or we say, man, was I ripped off, right? Okay. Now, God wants his people to have his values. The problem is we put value on people at times, don't we? We said, this person's value, this group of people is valuable, this other group of people, eh, not so much. I'll spend time here, I'm not going to spend time over here. I was reminded of how God thinks a couple, of months, a couple of months ago when a group of Ecuadorian people came to our house in A. Now I told you about this group, I told you how the Father stretched us that night. What I didn't tell you was as we were, after we were talking in our, our living room, the person translating for me said, uh, Lance, just so you know, not one of these people here is documented. Uh, this is a first for me, I'll be honest. And I remember looking across the room at Darla and our eyebrows kind of raised. In fact, I told this story to somebody the other day and his eyebrows raised. Said, that's exactly, that's exactly the, uh, the situation I had. And I never expected to have a room full of people with no papers. However, as I listened to this story, As I heard them talk about wanting to help others find Jesus and to find the hope they had, the Spirit spoke into my heart. Here's what he said. Lance, these people are no different than you are. They simply grew up in a different place than you did and had different advantages and disadvantages that you don't have. And here's what he said. I love them just as much as I love you. Help them. I needed that that night. And from that point on, I have simply worked with these friends, these brothers and sisters, in Jesus. See, God wanted Jonah to realize his heart. He said, Jonah, even if you don't care about the adults in the city of Nineveh, how about the 120,000 children living here. Those who don't know their right hand from their left, which is what that applies. And if you don't care about the kids, how about the cattle? At least you care about the economy, don't you? I just hear God saying this, come on, man. Come on, man. Interesting thing about this book, it ends right here. We don't know the rest of the story. We don't know if if Jonah changed his mindset, his direction, or if he just stayed the same bitter dude that he was. But I think we can learn from his story, right? Because everyone here, we're still writing our stories. And as we continue to write, I think we can learn, even from negative examples, how we can live. So with this in mind, I I just want to give you a couple of ideas for action steps in the week ahead. First of all, I'd like for you, for you to ask the Father, just I'm going to do the same thing. Where do you want to work on me? Where do I need honing? Where do I need sharpening? Where do I need hammering? Maybe it's attitude or trust, or maybe it's, maybe it's just the way we look at those around us. But I want to encourage you to take time to talk to the Father. Just ask him that question. Now, I'm convinced that when you ask God that question, he'll give you an answer. And so the second part of this is, when you receive an answer, hey, choose a new direction in one area, just for a day, just for a day. Ask the Spirit to help you, okay? If it's in thinking about the way you look at others or, the, or thinking about your attitude, whatever it may be, just try it for one day. See what happens, see what happens. Ask the Spirit to help, he will help you. And then number three, if you are following Jesus already, who around you, needs to have a helping hand of grace like the grace that each of us have received in Jesus my my encouragement to each of us here and I already have the name of a person for, for mine for this week let's stretch out of our way, let's go out of our comfort zone, let's demonstrate grace to someone around us in the week ahead who needs the grace this is just another way that we exhibit the values of the Father the values that he shows us all the time Jonah, he is not your prototypical servant of the Lord. He was reluctant. He was moody. He did not like the people he was called to minister to. But here's what I realize when I look at Jonah. If God can use someone like Jonah, guess what? He can use someone like me or someone like you to bring the message of Jesus, the message of love and grace a world that is desperate to have the hope that only he can bring.